The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask for you. And Jesus said to them, What is it that you want for me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So, they call, so Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, though, those whom they recognize as their rulers are domineering, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord. When I was in college, my roommate, his name was Tex, he wrestled a bear, a literal bear. And it's not that we went to school in some remote wooded area where we would regularly encounter bears. It was suburban Cleveland, after all. <laughs> but Tex, he got his opportunity to wrestle this bear when he went to this outdoor expo that was being hosted near our college. And at this outdoor expo, there was an attraction where for a little bit of money you could get in the ring with a real live bear. And my friend Tex, who was also on the wrestling team with me at John Carroll, he just couldn't resist the opportunity to see where he stacked up against the wild beasts of nature, and he was sold immediately. Now this next part might surprise you because Tex actually beat the bear in the wrestling match. And it wasn't like some scene from The Revenant or anything, it was pretty docile. They just scuffled lightly for a short bit before Tex eventually prevailed and pinned the bear. And I don't want to be selling text short at all or anything, but spoiler alert, the bear let him win, okay? <laughs> it's actually what the bear was trained to do. And the idea that Tex could actually wrestle an untrained bear, an untamed bear, and win, that's pretty ridiculous. But I can still remember Tex telling this story over and over again after it was done, and he'd be bragging about his victory, and he'd leave out those key details about how the bear was trained to lose, and he could say with a straight face that he did, in fact, wrestle a live bear and win. And even though this is a completely ridiculous story, the desire that Tex had to prove his dominance over a bear, no matter how staged it was, it's not far removed from our own desire. Because I think that we too have a desire to to dominate, to control, and to harness nature. And maybe this comes to us because we're taught in the creation story of Genesis 
that we are to fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That idea of dominion, it looms large in our human psyche, but it leads to our desire to control, to tame, to subdue the wild and beautiful natural world around us. And that desire, it's resulted in our overuse of our fragile earth. We humans, we're stressing out our ecosystem. We're disrupting the balance of our relationship with creation. And we know the effects, climate change, extinction, even wars due to famine have been some of the effects of our untamed use of the earth. And I could go on and on about the results and the effects of our overuse, but you don't need to hear that this morning. What we need to know and what we need to hear is a message of good news for our bad situation. And I'm here to say that there is good news. In our text today from Job, from the outset, it might seem like God's tongue-lashing of Job for complaining about his suffering that Job has endured. But I think it's more than that. I think we can see this text as an ecological text. And if we can understand the larger ecological context that God speaks of, as God poetically enumerates the creation, I think we can understand and locate ourselves more appropriately within the order of creation, rather than firmly at the top. Maybe God is saying to Job that, I have made a place for you. Within this vast creation and cosmos, you can rest secure in that place that I have created. And if you feel a desire to know or to control all the things around you, be humble. Know that it is I that have created you, and I will continue to provide for your needs. I think that's what God is trying to say to Job. We need to let God be God and recognize our place within creation, not over creation. And maybe our call is not to follow our desire to tame the natural world, but instead tame that desire and rest in the presence of God in our place within creation. God has created a place for each of us in this order. But we give in to our greed, we give in to our ambition, we transgress the lines and the limits that would otherwise prevent us from taking too much. We give in to our desire to consume at the expense of the creation around us. Feminist theologian Elizabeth Johnson in her book, Ask the Beast, which I have on loan from Pastor Craig right now, she talks about this interaction between God and Job. And she prophetically interprets this interaction by saying, shifting from an anthropocentric to a cosmocentric perspective, Job knows a different God. Shifting from a a human perspective, a human-centered perspective, to a cosmic perspective, perspective, Job knows a different God. A different God. Have you ever felt like pre-tribulation Job, where you're going through life and sailing along and you feel like you have God all figured out, and then all of a sudden a wave comes along 
and disrupts your smooth sailing and maybe capsizes your boat. In that moment, we might question the goodness of God. We might even question the existence of God altogether. But then in that moment, have you ever been met with an experience of God that reveals an altogether different God than you thought you always knew? A God that you could have never imagined? A God so big, so immense, so intricate, so mysterious, that you couldn't even put this God into words? It's that same God that has created you and created a place for you within this vast cosmos. In our gospel text today, the disciples, they want to be great. They want a place in Jesus' right and left hand in glory. But it's their self-centered ambition that wants this greatness, that causes them to think that greatness is sitting over and above. But through Christ, they are reminded, and we are reminded once again, that true greatness is not found in sitting over and above all things, but in serving all things. But we can't see creation or our place within creation in this way if we put ourselves in the position of the ones with dominion over all things God has created. Instead, we have to see ourselves as servants of the community of creation. Granted, God's creation does provide for us as well. It provides for us our needs. But the ecological vision that God paints for us in the book of Job is one that relocates our position within a community of creation. And greatness in this community means to serve all things. This is a countercultural and radical message that redefines our relationship to this earth and to one another. There's no need to wrestle bears or tame the wild or harness or extract the earth's finite resources to achieve greatness. God is telling us that none of these actions even lead to greatness. They lead to skewed relationships and ecological disaster. In a true community of creation, all things can stand in their difference, encompassed by God who has created all things and who makes a place for us in this body of Christ. A body of Christ that we get to experience, that we get to take in at this table. A table where we all have a place. A table where we get to experience and practice what it looks like to be a part of a community of creation where all can come, standing in their difference, standing in their unique createdness, but encompassed by the one who has created us all. At this table, you have a place. It's been prepared for you by God. You have a place in this community of creation. As we're fed and nourished at this table, we are also sent back by God into the world where we can become great through humble service to our community. We may have to get over some deep-seated anthropocentric beliefs and behaviors. But like Job, when we stand before the whirlwind of God, we can see and recognize our place within the cosmos and not over the cosmos. Standing in this place that we are humbled 
and delighted by the life around us. And we're filled with Christ's presence, where we can go out and share that presence, where we can proclaim that all people have a place. We're strengthened for service to all those people and all creation. Greatness is not found in dominion, but in service to and in protection of our fellow members of the community of creation. Amen.